the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. In the book of Proverbs, you're going to have these three words often. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. The word knowledge is found 39 times in the book of Proverbs. The word understanding is found 35 times. And just the word wisdom, not wise, but the word wisdom is found 51 times. And here's the difference between those three. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Understanding is the interpretation of that. But wisdom is the application. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Proverbs. One achieves wisdom when they can turn knowledge and understanding into something which they apply to their lives. Pastor Gary teaches us that Proverbs is a book which intends to lead us to wisdom. It's a book which will lay out for us the best ways to approach and maneuver through life. If you have yet to see Jesus' influence alter the way in which you live, read through Proverbs with the intention of applying the principles it teaches. Through doing this, you will move closer to the life which Jesus intends for you. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, with part one of his message, Wisdom in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1 is where we are. Um, I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 here in the first chapter. And then we'll pray and we'll start to dig out this book together. Proverbs 1 verse 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Right here in the first few verses of Proverbs chapter 1, we have the statement of purpose, why the book of Proverbs is written. It's written to help those who are considered unwise or simple or young to become wise. And he also adds, even for those who already consider themselves to be pretty wise, verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning to get more wisdom and to get discerning and guidance. So show of hands, how many could use a little more wisdom, discernment, and guidance in their lives? I'm with you. 
If you were to look uh, at a Jewish person's Bible, the Hebrew Bible, the, the book of Proverbs is entitled Mishle Shlomo, meaning the Proverbs of Solomon. In fact, verse 1 here of Proverbs chapter 1 says, Mishle Shlomo ben David Melech Yisrael. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Solomon was a king of Israel. He was the third king after his father David, who was the second king of Israel, comes here Solomon. Solomon reigns roughly between the years 970 B.C. to 930 B.C. He reigns for 40 years. He is a very wealthy man. He is a wise man. He is a a very powerful man. The kingdom of Israel will expand beyond its wildest borders during the time of King Solomon. Some scholars believe he was as young as 17 when he became king. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, says he was 14. He was young, and he comes to a powerful position at a very early age. One of the things that God God allows Solomon to ask is for anything, and Solomon, not asking for riches, not asking for victory over his enemies, not asking for anything selfish, just simply says, God, I need your wisdom. Because I'm young and inexperienced. I am unable to lead these people that you have given to me. I need your wisdom. And God gives Solomon wisdom. In addition to wisdom, God says, because you did not ask for other selfish things, I'm going to throw those on top like icing on the cake. And so Solomon gets off to a good start. Now, there's some trouble in Solomon's life, which even goes to show you that when you have wisdom, you can still give way to folly. That even someone who is gifted by God can squander those gifts. We can do foolish things. We can lose sight of God. We can get involved in sinful things by way of the exercise of our free will, making sinful choices. And then we see the wonderful things that God has done through us come crumbling down. That was Solomon in large part. He's going to write the book of Proverbs early in his life. He's going to write the book of Song of Solomon in the middle of his life. And he's going to write Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. All of Ecclesiastes talks about vanity, how life is just, you know, Solomon basically is going to say, I got the t-shirt, I've done it all, and I found out that life is meaningless without God. You can have a lot of adventures, you can be very successful in the eyes of the world, and Solomon was. But he ended up feeling very empty at the end of his life, because he had squandered the things that God had given him. He had misused the wisdom of God. He had engaged in sinful practices. His heart went astray. He worshipped idols. He even allowed Israel to sacrifice their children to false gods. There were definite low moments in Solomon's life. But he was a man who understood that if I'm going to have any measure of success in this world, if I'm going to be able to understand how to live out my life day to day, I need the wisdom from above. We all need the wisdom from above. So this is that book in particular. Now, Solomon was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write almost all of the book of Proverbs. For those of you taking notes, chapters 1 to 24, clearly written by Solomon. Chapters 1 to 24, all written by Solomon. When you get to chapter 25, there's a transition. It tells us that these are the sayings of Solomon as recorded by the men of King Hezekiah. So 200 years after Solomon died, another king rises on the throne. His name is Hezekiah, and he raises up men who will write down perhaps what were orally handed down as wisdom verses from Solomon. So chapters 25 to 29 are still attributed to Solomon, but they were written down by King Hezekiah's men. Chapter 30 of of Proverbs was written by a guy by the name of Agur. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. 
And then chapter 31 has a little byline that, that was written by a guy by the name of Lemuel. Now, Lemuel translates in Hebrew, devoted to God. The ancient rabbis were in agreement that Lemuel was actually a title for Solomon. So they even ascribed chapter 31 to Solomon. So all together, chapters 1 to 24 by Solomon, 25 to 29 by Solomon written by the men of King Hezekiah, and chapter 31 probably Solomon as well. Only chapter 30, not written by Solomon. So he was the one inspired by God to write these Proverbs. Now, 1 Kings chapter 4 tells us about Solomon that he wrote in his lifetime 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 Psalms. Of the 3,000 Proverbs that Solomon wrote, we have preserved in the book of Proverbs about 900. What we're going to read through the course of Proverbs are about 900. You'll notice these are very short, pithy, succinct words of advice and counsel. You can take each verse practically and look at it. It can stand alone. It's a very short, pithy, succinct statement about what to do regarding everyday life. They're kind of like each little verse is kind of like a Christian fortune cookie (laughs) with genuine wisdom. Now, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, is considered part of the genre of the Bible known as the wisdom literature. All of, it, all of it is inspired by God, and all of it is wisdom literature. But there are certain books of the Bible that are classified under the genre of wisdom literature. And of those books that are classified as wisdom literature, all three that Solomon wrote, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, they're considered part of the wisdom literature. And the book of Job. It's a heavy subject, but it's considered wisdom literature. And some Bible scholars throw in from the New Testament the book of James. So when you look at the wisdom literature of the Bible, you're looking at Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Job, and perhaps we can even throw in James from the New Testament. Now the reason I mention this, this is important, because the wisdom literature of the Bible has to be interpreted through a very specific lens. If you do not interpret the wisdom literature of the Bible through this lens, it will cause you great consternation. You will end up reading the wisdom literature, and if you don't interpret it in the right way, it'll be confusing to you, or worse, it'll be disillusioning to you. So I'm going to explain to you first, before we even tackle anything from Proverbs here, what do we mean by the wisdom literature of the Bible and how it is to be best understood and interpreted. This is very important. So if you're taking notes, you're going to want to write down three things. Here's the first thing. The wisdom literature of the Bible is practical, not theoretical. It is very, very practical, not theoretical. Some of you enjoy debating the finer points of theology, and you you engage each other in these theoretical discussions of the finer points of theology. Are you a partial preterist? Are you a full preterist? Or or do you reject preterism altogether as it relates to Matthew 24 in the book of Revelation? Who cares? Right? Right? I mean, did you ever sit around the dinner table thinking, you know, I I wonder really if my neighbor is a preterist? You don't really care, and it doesn't really matter. What most people want to know is, you know, I eat too much, I cuss too much, I drink too much, I'm too angry in life. How can the Bible help me? That's what you're going to read in Proverbs, because it's a very practical book. It ministers to us on a level of everyday living. It's going to help us in terms of just how to process life. How to deal with life, how to overcome things, uh, how to manage things better. 
uh, how to how to uh, raise a family, um, you know how to how to budget your money. It, 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 it's a very very practical book. It's not theoretical at all. So we we need to look at this as a very practical book. It addresses a practical issues of life. It helps us with the daily stuff of regular life for average people. So that's the first thing to understand about wisdom literature. The second thing to understand, and this is, I, I can't emphasize point number two enough. This is very important. The wisdom literature of the Bible, number two, is about truisms, not promises. This is a big mistake people make in interpreting the wisdom literature of the Bible, particularly the book of Proverbs. So I need to emphasize this. The advice and counsel of the book of Proverbs is basically this. If we build our lives upon these principles, these truisms, it will go better for us, generally speaking. But these are not intended to be viewed as promises in the sense of being guarantees. These are truisms. God is revealing to us his wisdom, and he's saying to us, if we live our lives according to these truisms, in general, it goes better for us. Not guarantees, but in general, it goes better. Let me illustrate this. In Proverbs 22, verse 16, one of the most often quoted verses from Proverbs, it says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, is that a truism or is that a promise? Well, it's not a promise. It's a truism. All right? It is not saying if you're the best parent in the world, you're going to raise amazing children. It's a truism. This is about cause and effect. This is about reaping and sowing. This is about the results of what God will do in our lives when we do our best to follow the truisms of his wisdom literature. All right? The fact is, you can be an amazing parent, do your best job that you know how to do, raise your kids in the ways of the Lord, bring them to church, instill in them Christian values, try to model it the best you can, and sometimes kids still go off the rails. That does not mean that God's word is not true, and that does not necessarily mean that you're a bad parent either. Do you need to understand that truisms are given to us by God because it is helping us to understand, generally speaking, when you raise your kids in the ways of the Lord, generally speaking, when you do your best to be a good example to them and take them to church and read scripture with them and pray with them, they will grow up and in their older years, they will still be following the Lord. But there are exceptions. Read this as truisms, not promises. I'll give you another example from the book of Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 11. It says, if you save little by little, you will gain much. It's talking about a management of your money stewardship principle. Little by little, accumulate little by little. He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. This is a truism. This is not a promise. You start to save your money little by little. You invest it wisely over time, compound interest, all that stuff. You're going to have a pretty good nest egg at the end of your life. But there are exceptions. Generally speaking, that's true, but sometimes you might make wise investments, say, for example, in some really solid companies, and then the bottom falls out of the stock market, or you lose your job for an extended period of time. Now you're dipping into your retirement and your savings. You're putting a second mortgage on your house just to keep your head above water. Sometimes you get into health issues, and you have huge medical expenses, and by the end of your life, you could have little to nothing because of that. So these are truisms. They're not promises. Generally speaking, he who gathers much little by little, much will grow. But there are exceptions. 
The reason why I can't emphasize this enough is because too many people get disillusioned with God or themselves because they do not properly interpret the truisms they think they're promises. And then they look at the end of their life and they're thinking, my kids are miserable, my marriage is miserable, I have no money. How come God isn't faithful to his word? It is not a reflection of his word, nor is it a reflection necessarily on you being a bad spouse, bad parent, or bad manager of your money. These are truisms. God is saying, generally speaking, you follow this, you honor this, and it goes better for you. But there are exceptions. Point number three These are principles, not methods. These are principles, not methods. Principles that include, as we'll see through the course of Proverbs, how to handle your money, how to handle your drink, how to handle your friends, how to handle temptation, how to handle your tongue, how to handle anger and other emotions. It will give you many principles, but not methods. One principle can have many methods of how to achieve that principle. Example, again, from the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs emphasizes, puts the responsibility of you educating your kids on the parents. That's what the Bible says. It is the ultimate responsibility of parents to raise their kids in instruction and education. But it doesn't tell us the method. Is that public school, private school, Christian school, or homeschooling? That method is left up to you to discern what is best for your particular family. The principle is still intact, but the methods can vary. Principles should never change. Methods can. Principles should never change. Methods can. How do we approach accomplishing that principle in our lives, being true to the principle, true to God, but the methods may vary? Some of you are going to get into your home groups because part of our home group fellowship are koinonia groups, which we encourage people to be a part of. How do you get to know people and have connection and relationship with people on a large group scale like this? You can't. We encourage people to get into small groups we call K-groups. Now, part of the K-group study is from the Sunday teachings. When you go through the book of Proverbs in your small groups, you're going to have the opportunity of exchanging ideas of what methods work for you in accomplishing the principles of God's word. And it'll be beneficial to each other. Because what might work for you does not necessarily work for someone else. What works for them may not work for you. But the principles are the same. It's just that methods vary. And the book of Proverbs does not give you step one, two, three. Most of us are wired that way. We want to know, just tell me what to do. You know, I I got some out of control kids. Just tell me what to do. Give me one, two, three, and I'll do it. Okay, the book of Proverbs is not going to do that for you. It's going to say things about it's important to discipline your kids in a right and a loving way. It's important to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord. It's going to tell you principles. It's not going to tell you necessarily the methods of how to do that. That is where you're going to fall on your face before God and ask him for wisdom, which is the main theme of this book. So all of that said, here's where we're going to head over the next several weeks. We're going to be looking at the book of Proverbs, not as I typically do. Typically, when we go through the Bible, I kind of do a couple chapters at a time, and we go chronologically through that book. Because Proverbs is written, and I don't mean this in a negative sense, randomly, there's, there's order to it, but you're going to have references to child-rearing all through the book. You're going to have references to relationships all through the book. You're going to have references to sexuality all through the book, money management all through the book. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book of Proverbs thematically over the next several weeks, and we're going to focus on at least seven of the main themes through the book of Proverbs. And here are those main themes we're going to be looking at through the next few weeks. We're going to look at, number one, wisdom. Number two, money. The, the, the Proverbs has a lot to say about all these things, friends. Sexuality. 
It's a very practical book for day-to-day living. We're not going to get graphic, or I'm not going to have pictures on the screen. Don't worry. But now somebody actually are disappointed, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Family and friends. We're going to talk about relationships. This book has a lot to say about that. Speech, our words, communication, slander, gossip, all that stuff. Then we're going to talk about vices because Proverbs talks about things that are uh, potential issues in our lives. It talks about drunkenness, gluttony, anger, laziness. And then we're also going to talk about virtues because it also emphasizes things like humility and compassion, integrity and truthfulness. So in the course of the next several weeks, this is where we're heading. And today we're going to be looking at topic number one, which is the overarching theme of the book of Proverbs. The whole book of Proverbs is about wisdom. It's about wisdom. The words wise or wisdom appear 120 times in the book of Proverbs alone. The words wise or wisdom appear 120 times in the book of Proverbs alone because the aim of Proverbs is to help us acquire and apply God's wisdom to everyday life. It's going to help us acquire and apply God's wisdom to everyday life. And who can't use a little more wisdom, right? So we're going to be looking at three things today. And these three things are, in the little bit of time we have left, the description of wisdom, the source of wisdom, and the benefits of wisdom. First things first, the description of wisdom. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for wise is the Hebrew word hakam. Hakam, H-A-K-A-M. And hakam is used in the Old Testament, not just for the word wise, but it's interestingly also used to describe people with a skill, an artisan's skill in building. So that word hakam is used to describe those who built the tabernacle in the days of Moses, and it also is the word used to describe those who built the temple in the days of Solomon. Hakam. So what does building a temple or tabernacle have to do with wisdom? Because the word is used similarly in this sense, that wisdom is like the building blocks of life. And it requires the skillful application in order for us to benefit from God's wisdom in practical everyday ways. Now let me give you the description as a distinction from two other words you commonly will find through the book of Proverbs, knowledge and understanding. In the book of Proverbs, you're going to have these three words often, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. The word knowledge is found 39 times in the book of Proverbs. The word understanding is found 35 times. And just the word wisdom, not wise, but the word wisdom is found 51 times. And here's the difference between those three, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Understanding is the interpretation of that. But wisdom is the application. I'll say it again. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Understanding is the interpretation of that. But wisdom is the application. And the Bible says that wisdom is supreme, and three times it commands us to get it. Get wisdom. Why is wisdom supreme? Because you can have a lot of knowledge. You might even be able to understand what you know. But unless you're able to apply it in life, what benefit is it? What benefit is it? Which is why wisdom and intelligence is not interlinked necessarily. You can be uneducated and very wise. And you can be very educated, very intelligent, and be very unwise. Oh, 
As we study the book of Proverbs here on Cornerstone Connection, we'll discover that God is interested in more than just the big picture. God desires that every area of our lives, even the tiny details, to reflect His power and purpose. This is what we learn as we study these practical nuggets of truth which apply to all areas of our lives. If you'd like to access more of these messages from the book of Proverbs, you'll be able to do so at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We've compiled a library of many of Pastor Gary's teachings there, and we invite you to listen to, download, or share any of them. Did you know you can even take them with you on the go? Cornerstone Connection has a mobile app designed to bring you God's Word whenever and wherever you are. You'll find a link under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. The app allows you to stay connected to us by sharing prayer requests, visiting our website, or checking out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. You can even join us live each weekend at Cornerstone Chapel, right from your smart device. Again, that app can be found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Our time is up for today. But be sure to join us next time for more from the book of Proverbs right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling, listen, truth open Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.